get elsewhere. Psalm 55, and uh, I'm going to start tonight with uh, just the first seven verses, but we'll work our way through this psalm. I, I know that there's 23 verses, and that sounds kind of like it's going to be a super long message. I don't think it's going to be, but you know, don't quote me on that, okay? Uh, psalm 55, uh, verses 1 through 7 is uh, what we'll start with tonight. We'll have prayer, and then we'll jump in. Lord... Or, uh, here we go, Psalm 55, I almost started praying right then. Uh, Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me. And the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. Lord, I thank you for this particular psalm, and I thank you, Lord, for your sovereignty in guiding us to look at this particular psalm on this night as we uh, look and see what's happening in this country right now. Lord, this is a very timely uh, psalm to look at, and Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts, and Lord, help us to be willing to apply the truth as mentioned tonight. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. How many of you had the opportunity to read Psalm 55 before the service tonight? Okay, a few hands. Thank you for doing that. And I hope that that will help this message to maybe uh, make even more sense since you have a little bit of a familiarity with what's in this psalm. Well, a few years ago, uh, Southwest Airlines produced and showed several humorous commercials in which people found themselves in very uncomfortable situations, and then ask the question, want to get away? Does anybody remember any of those commercials? A few, a few of you? Um, well, one of the first ones that I remember seeing, and this is years ago, uh, was a lady at work who clicked on an email that says, sick of your job? Exciting new offer. Well, let's just go ahead and see what happens in that particular commercial. Congratulations! You launched the pink slip virus. Your office is now infected. They'll soon trace it back to you. Good luck finding a new job. Congratulations! 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 Yes, so they were... Oh, well, I don't know that we need to watch the game. Congratulations! You launched the pink slip virus. Your office is now infected. Oh no, it's actually repeating like it's a commercial. (laughs) Um, So the idea there is getting in a very uncomfortable situation and wanting to just get away from it all, Okay. Well, they did another one with a businessman getting into what he thought was his Uber ride. 
And uh, let's go ahead and see what happens on this one. Address should be there, 1800 Ann Street. Hello? Yeah, it's your driver. I'm on the car. Um. Go! 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 Uh-huh. Don't send no hostages! Want to get away? Now you can with Southwest Ferris as low as $59 one way. Yes to low Ferris with nothing to hide. All right. So another uncomfortable situation there. I did have to explain to a couple of my family members what the blue ink was. Uh, they did not know that banks do that. They put a blue ink bomb in uh, with some of the money there in case that happens. And then they're easily found that way. I think now they're using GPS. But anyway, back in those days. Well, my finally, finally, my favorite uh, commercial that they put out is when a military general is asked for his password. And let's see what happens on this one. General, there's been a breach. We need your password so we can lock down the system. My password? Yes, sir, we need your password. The password that I use? Yes, sir, your password. There's been another breach. Sir. Right, okay. I-H-A-T-E-M-Y-J-O-B-1. I hate my job, one. Want to get away? Now you can with Southwest Ferris as low as $59 one way. Yes to low Ferris? Well, in each of these make-believe situations, uh, there were people who found themselves in a difficult scenario and desired to escape. Well, this desire has been around for ages, and David, the human author of this particular psalm, faced in a very overwhelming situation in his life that caused him to pen these words in verses 6 and 7 when he said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah, and I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. He would have wished that Southwest Airlines uh, existed in his day, but it did not. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to get away uh, from it all? I'm not necessarily talking about... uh, ending your life necessarily, but just leaving uh, your situation and and starting over and just escaping all of your problems. I think all of us have been there, and uh, whether it's been uh, health-related or financial or family issues or work struggles, all of us have experienced difficulty like that to where we just wanted to run away from it all. Well, this psalm is almost a journal entry in the life of David as he deals with heartache and sorrow like the song says, the sea billows roll. Uh, Tonight I want to go through this psalm and learn how David coped with this overwhelming situation, how he made it through such a challenging time and how we can make it through the challenging time that maybe you're finding yourself in right now and certainly as a country as we are in time of crisis once again. Uh, 2020 has been quite a year, hasn't it? Uh, Well, first of all, in this psalm, I want us to see, number one, David's plea. In uh, the first two verses here, David pleads for God to hear him. He says in verse number one, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. 
I think David's in this psalm kind of feeling like his prayers are hitting the ceiling and they're not making it to heaven. He's wondering if God's even hearing him. Uh, Many other psalms we find David very confident in the fact that God does hear and and will hear. But, But here in verse number one, I think he's kind of doubting a little bit of his prayer life and the power of his prayers. Verse number two, he says, Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Imagine there's been some times in your life when you haven't even really known what to pray, and it just almost sounds like a holy grunt. Uh, I believe that that's what David here was just in such uh, turmoil and and, uh, stress that he couldn't even form words. And so he's pleading and he was wanting God to hear his prayer. He was urgent and desperate for God to do something. And so we see here in these first couple verses his plea. But then I want us to see in these next several verses here, David's pain. David's pain. In verse number three, we begin to get a glimpse of the type of pain that he had. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath they hate me. Now, let me just do a quick time out and say, okay, where was David and what was going on in David's life when he penned Psalm 55? Well, we don't know 100% for certain, but uh, most commentators agree that it was during the rebellion, Absalom's rebellion and desire to overtake the throne of David was when Psalm 55 took place. And uh, his... David's life as he knew it was collapsing and, and uh, things were, were not looking good. And, and that, that definitely uh, makes a lot of sense as we look into this. Verse number three, because of the voice of the enemy. It's so sad to me that his enemy was his own son, Absalom. But the voice of the enemy because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath they hate me. Uh, he was, as the king, I mean, he was in President Trump's shoes, to sandals, whatever. Uh, he was in that position, and he was experiencing a lot of what President Trump has been experiencing during his term. Uh, just constant hatred and constant uh, uh, attempts at uh, overthrowing him and, and getting him out of his position. Well, it was coming to a head here, especially with Absalom, and, and uh, he knew that his days were numbered if things continued. And uh, look, at, look at what he says in verse number four. My heart is sore pained within me. I mean, this is kind of like he's writing a journal here. My heart is sore pained. What does that mean? Well, that means heavy and sad. That is, I am deeply afflicted. The word rendered is sore pain, meaning properly to turn around, to twist, to dance in a circle, to be whirled around, and then to twist or writhe in pain, especially applied to a woman in travail. Now, I've been uh, next to a woman in travail four times, and I can tell you uh, that it was not uh, pleasant. It looked like it was very painful, and... uh, I mean, I could have handled it just fine, but uh, no, there is a reason that the Lord chose women to give birth and not men, because I would have been crying uh, much louder than she was. 
Um, but the sore pain within, within him was that type of a pain. Uh, here is the idea that he was in deep distress and anguish, and it's easy to see that this would be so if the psalm definitely refers to the revolt of Absalom, and I believe it does. So he was experiencing tremendous pain. Let's keep reading in verse 4. The terrors of death are fallen upon me. I'm, I'm sure what he means by this is, Absalom is willing to kill me to get this throne, and my life is in danger, and I fear that I may not make it out of this situation. My heart is sore pain within me, and the terrors of death are falling upon me. And then verse 5 is, is a very powerful verse. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. I mean, he was so afraid that I imagine his body was even shaking and trembling. I was doing some research and I came to the realization that David was about six in his mid-60s when this was happening. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. And listen to this. And horror hath overwhelmed me. Wow. He was in so much pain that he said in verse number six, I want to get away from it all. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I, I don't want to be in this situation. I want to get out of here. And then he says in verse 8, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. I know that all of us, when we're going through a storm of life, we all want to escape that. The Lord sometimes allows us to go through these. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why David was experiencing this. And for the most part, it was a lot of his own fault. It was the result of some of his sin that he had committed uh, many years before with Bathsheba. And then the murder of Uriah and then covering it up. And then the, yes, God had forgiven him, but yes, he still had to deal with the consequences of his sin. You know, a lot of times Christians sin and then they go to the Lord and say, I'm sorry, so will you forgive me? And then they're surprised when there's a consequence with that sin. Like, wait a minute. I thought you forgave me. I thought you loved me. Yeah. Uh, just like a father would forgive his child for doing wrong but still need to administer discipline. There's forgiveness, the relationship, and the fellowship is restored, but that doesn't mean there doesn't need to be any punishment or discipline. And here, now, David is experiencing some of the consequences of that sin that he committed so long ago. It's coming back, and he is now reaping what he sowed way back when. I do want to encourage us and remind us about that very fact, that sin uh, will cost you far more than you ever wanted to pay. I imagine David was thinking, it was just one night. Come on. God, you're going to really do this to me? It's not God doing it to him. It's God allowing the consequences to continue in the life of David. Sin is not something to be played with. And just because we are under grace and just because we'll be forgiven every time we confess it doesn't give us a license to sin because we will still have to deal with the consequences of our sin here in this life. Yes, God does forgive, 
But uh, we, like David, will face some consequences because of our sin. Uh, David was in so much pain that he wanted to get out of there. Now, what was causing his pain? That leads us to number three, David's problem. What was the problems that were causing his pain, that were causing him to say, a horror hath overwhelmed me, fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. I want to just get out of here. What was causing all of that? Well, look in verse number nine. And I want you to see if you can guess what I mean by God's sovereignty and leading us to this passage as we go through this time in our country. Destroy, O Lord, David says, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. Wow, if that's not a description of what's been going on the last 10 days, I don't know what is. There is a tremendous jump from verse 8 to verse number 9. At the end of verse number 8, David's wanting out of here. Verse number 9 uh, one commentator uh, believed that the big the explanation for the jump is that David does indeed leave. Uh, he takes off, and he does do that. And so now as he's leaving, he's uh, taking notice of the kingdom that was under his hand. And as he looks at the kingdom on his way out, he notices that it's not the same kingdom as it once was. That now there's chaos in the kingdom. I can't help but think that uh, America is not the same America as it was two weeks ago. It's a very different country. And it's sad that it would take only just 10 days to get to this point. 10 days is all it took. It's heartbreaking as an American to see our country implode like this. It's not from an enemy without. No, it's all from within. And look, I don't have all the answers other than to point us to the one who is the answer, and that is the Lord. He's the only one that can fix this situation. I can't fix it with a special post that hopefully goes viral, like my wife. She's Miss Viral. I'm going to start calling her that now. One of her posts got shared 300 and something times. I'm like, well, you're now famous. Will you, you know, give me some time once in a while, you know, with all your interviews that you're going to be doing and these talk shows you're going to be going on and stuff. I hope that you'll still remember that you're married to me. But look, a a Facebook post isn't going to fix it. Only God can fix our country. But David, as he's walking through the streets, he's seeing probably very similar things to what we're seeing on the news. You can't even, I mean, my heart is so broken. I open up Facebook for two minutes and you see things that, man, we should never be seeing in our country. We're the land of the free, aren't we? Not so much anymore. So that was one of the reasons that David felt all this pain, but that wasn't the main, main thing, I don't don't think. 
Look at verse number 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. If it was an enemy, then I could have borne it. God would understand if it was an enemy that reproached me. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, for then I would have hid myself from him. I mean, that's understandable, David says. But verse 13, but it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. Oh, we took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. We fellowshiped with one another. You're, you're my brother. And yet you're the one that turned your back on me. Now, who was the identity of this traitor in verses 12, 13, and 14? Well, it was the man, Ohithophel. This was David's counselor who then joined forces with Absalom in his rebellion and turned his back on the king to help this rebellious son who was out of control. And David's heart was broken because a man that who was his counselor, the one who he trusted, his trusted advisor, would stab him in the back like that. That's what caused his pain. Have you ever been betrayed by a friend? Well, these are the wounds that hurt the most, aren't they? You know, some random person cuts you off on the road. I mean, that, that, that may irk you. It may irk some more than others. But it's a random person. You don't know them. But if a good friend stabs you in the back, that one hurts. I've been on the receiving end of that, and sadly, I've been on the giving part of that too when I was younger. Have you been betrayed by a friend? Imagine all of us have experienced to some degree that. Well, Jesus sure knows what that feels like, doesn't he? Remember with one of his disciples who came to him in the night of the Garden of Gethsemane and planted a kiss on the Son of God in betrayal. It's interesting what Jesus says right after that happened. Jesus says to Judas, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Even as Jesus receives that kiss of betrayal, he says to him, Friend, to Judas. He was betrayed by a friend. You say, how could Judas do that? Well, Jesus also knows what it's like to be betrayed every time that you and I choose to sin rather than walk in righteousness. So all of us are a little bit of Judas, aren't we, at times? When we plant the kiss of betrayal, when we say, no, Lord, I don't want to do what's right. I want to indulge in my sin and my rebellion. So Jesus knows what it's like to uh, be betrayed, to be sure. Those are the things that led to the pain that David was experiencing. And, and certainly as we look at our country, I, I can't help but experience a little bit of heart pain too as we see what's going on around us. But then, I want us to see number four tonight, David's prayer. 
How did David respond to the betrayal? How did he respond to all of the, uh, all of the violence and the, uh, the chaos that he was seeing in his kingdom? How did he respond to the fact that his own son was uh, trying to overthrow him and potentially even kill him? How did he respond to all that? Did he stay in a state of depression or despair? No. The Bible says he went to his knees in prayer. Look, when you're overwhelmed and going through a difficult time, where do you turn? David turned to his God and to his Lord, and I want to encourage us to do that too. Here's what it says he did in verse number 16. David kind of gets some perspective in his heart and life, and he says, As for me, here's what I'm going to do. I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. So he went to his knees in prayer when he was overwhelmed. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? What do you do when horror hath overwhelmed you, when fearfulness and trembling are come upon you, when you just want to get away? I want to encourage you to pray like David did. The question is, how did David pray? Uh, what can we learn about his prayer life for our own lives? Well, first of all, I want us to see here that he prayed with frequency. He prayed with frequency in verse number 17. It says, evening and morning and at noon will I pray. See, he didn't just pray one time and call it good. Say, well, hopefully the Lord heard me that time. No, he prayed with frequency. It was something that he did on a regular basis, three times a day at least. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray. I'm not the only example of someone doing that. Uh, Daniel, uh, when he, right before he was thrown into the den of lions, he was caught praying three times a day. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10. Uh, now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. You see, Daniel and David both had a great frequency in their prayer life. We spoke about on uh, Sunday when we talked about uh, all of us needing personal revival, all of us needing to make sure that we're right with God and that we're humbling ourselves and that we are indeed praying. Prayer is a, a wonderful thing to talk about. But again, are we actually praying? And David here prayed with frequency. Paul mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, to pray without ceasing. Pastor, why can't we have that as a memory verse for the month? <laughs> Maybe we should, and because maybe we'll actually live it out. Pray without ceasing. He prayed with frequency, and, 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 and brothers and sisters, we need to pray with some frequency. We need to uh, also not only pray with frequency, pray with fervency. That was verse 17 where he says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. 
James 5, verse 16, tells us the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Some of us are pretty fervent when it comes to sports. I know some people that I know yell at the TV when the sports are on. I don't, I, I mean, I don't want to name any names, but my son is pointing at me. Okay, so maybe I do that. Maybe when I'm watching sports, I get a little into it. I get fervent about it. I want my team to win. I want my team to do well. I want my team to uh, beat the 49ers and the Patriots. I just want that to happen. And Brother Chuck's not here tonight, but also the Chiefs. I want them to beat the Chiefs as well. And the, and the Packers for you, Brother Jacob. Some of us are fervent when it comes to sports. There's a whole bunch of people right now on streets all over this country who are fervent about racial issues. And I don't think they totally understand the real issues. But they're fervent anyway. Where are God's people when it comes to prayer? How come we're not fervent in our prayer life? David was when he said, I will, will I pray and I'm going to cry aloud. I'm going to get fervent about this thing. What will it take for us as God's people to get fervent in our prayer life? It is time for us as God's people to be fervent in prayer. David prayed with frequency. He prayed with fervency. And he also prayed with faith. Verse number 17, he says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. So here comes his faith again. It was missing in verses 1 and 2. But now he gets some perspective and he remembers the fact that God does and will hear our prayers. Verse number 18, he says, He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. He hadn't even faced Absalom and the battle hadn't even ensued yet. And David already had a peace from the Lord that God was going to work it all out. That's what happens when we pray. That's what happens when we go to our knees. Instead of just worrying and dwelling upon it. That doesn't help. We need to pray. And then we get faith. And then it increases our faith. Verse number 19, look at this. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. He said, God's going to hear. He's going to work this out. He's going to make things wrong, right. He's going to work it out. But he had to go to the Lord in prayer. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 21 and verse 22, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So when you ask in prayer, make sure that you include faith in that. Make sure that you believe that God can and will answer that prayer. Because if you're just praying and thinking that God can't do it or God won't do it, then why even waste the time? Why even waste your breath? Why even ask if you don't believe he's going to answer you? God can and will, you just need to believe. George Mueller, and uh, I did mention on Sunday that it is sad that we have to go back 100 years or more to find a great prayer warrior. But George Mueller was one such prayer warrior. Here's what he said. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. 
Faith begins where man's power ends. It's a good statement. God doesn't want to do the things that are, that are hard. He does the things that are impossible. That's what he specializes in, God does. George Mueller knew what it was to pray and to see God do amazing things. In the late 1800s, George Mueller operated an orphanage that at one time had over 1,000 orphans. One morning, there was absolutely no food to eat. But he called all the children and the staff together and prayed, thanking God for the provision of food, even though no food was on the table. Some of you know the story that a few moments later, a baker knocked on the door. He told Mr. Mueller that God had led him to bake bread the night before and to give it to the orphanage. Before the bread was given to the children, a milkman knocked on the door. He said that his milk truck had broken down and he wanted to give the milk to the orphanage. You see, God did answer George Mueller's prayer. And by the way, George Mueller's God is the same God today as he was then too. And look, if he can do that for George Mueller, why can't he do it for me? Why can't he do it for you? He can and wants to, but George Mueller had faith. During the Thirty Years' War in the 17th century, German pastor Paul Gerhardt and his family were forced to flee from their home. One night as they stayed in a small village inn, hopeless and afraid, his wife broken down and, and cried openly in despair. Well, to comfort her, this pastor reminded her of Scripture promises about God's provision and, and keeping. Then going out to the garden to be alone, he too broke down and wept. He felt he had come to his darkest hour. Uh, reminds me a little bit of David here in Psalm 55. Soon afterward, though, Gerhardt felt the burden lifted and sensed anew the Lord's presence. And so taking his pen, he wrote a hymn that has brought comfort to many. Give to the winds thy fears, hope, and be undismayed. God hears thy sighs and counts thy tears. God shall lift up thy head. Through waves and clouds and storms he gently clears the way. Wait thou his time, so shall the night soon end in joyous day. You see, it's often in our darkest time, times that God makes his presence known most clearly. He uses our sufferings and troubles to show us that he is our only source of strength. And so we see David's prayer. That's the answer for our country today. Um, it's not more Facebook posts, not, not to say that you shouldn't do those. But what we need to do is get on our knees and ask God to bless and God to work. And then... Number five, and we'll wrap it up with this thought here, and that's David's priority. What was David's priority? Uh, during, during times when things were overwhelming, what was his priority? Well, his priority was to realize that he couldn't carry all of his burdens by himself. Verse 22, our theme verse for the month, our memory verse for the month, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Uh, do you understand now the context of this verse? It's a great verse on its own, yes, but when you put it in context of what David was going through, boy, it has a whole new meaning, doesn't it? Cast thy burden upon the Lord, he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Like the main character of Pilgrim's Progress, he chose to cast his burdens upon the Lord. 
Yesterday, uh, I went to Home Depot to get some mulch for our garden. My wife sent me on an errand. Actually, I was going there anyway, and she said, while you're there, could you get some mulch for our garden? Well, I didn't grab a cart, because I'm a man. I don't need no cart. So I went to the garden section, and I'm like, okay, I'll probably just get one bag. And then I was like, oh, they're only like $3 and something cents. I'll get a couple bags. So I get one of them and throw it on my shoulder. And, and on the bag, it says, easy to carry bag as like a feature of this particular brand of mulch. And I was like, okay, so this should be pretty easy then. <laughs> throw one on my shoulder. And the other one, I couldn't get it on my shoulder, so I was carrying it like this. And I was like, okay, I have to go to the plumbing section. And then I go to the uh, checkout counter. Well, let's see if I could do this. So I start walking. And I'm kind of having, this is, keeps falling because the weight keeps shifting in this bag. And uh, this one's doing okay, although right here is starting to hurt a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of struggling. And I'm like, the plumbing section is so far away now, it feels like, you know. It's like forever away. It's not even halfway down the store, but it felt like forever away. And I'm walking, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make this. I'm going to, but I don't want to just set it down and go get a card. How a loser, what a chump I would be. I'd have to give up my man card. I'm not doing that. This is Home Depot. Can't do that here. Can't just set down a bunch of mulch and go get a cart. <laughs> I couldn't carry it. I wasn't going to do that. Well, this one employee, bless her heart, the Lord sent her from heaven. She was pushing a card of empty cardboard boxes, and she was an employee. She was going to take it back to the back. And she saw me, and she just immediately took out the cardboard boxes, and she's like, sir, here you go. <laughs> was it that obvious? <laughs> yes, I guess it was. <laughs> yes, I guess it was. But I tell you what, I was like, bless your heart. <laughs> You're my favorite person right now because I was able to lay my burdens down on that cart. And uh, the rest of the trip was made easy, and I didn't have to give up my man cart. Look, we were never meant to carry all of our burdens. It's not the way God made it to be. Peter learned to do this too because it was him who said this, a very famous verse, casting all, let's finish it together, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. I would encourage you tonight to take your burden to the Lord and to leave it there. Look, if the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold and you have to get along with meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds a little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain and your soul is almost sinking in despair, oh, Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and he can heal. Take your burden to the Lord. And leave it there. When your enemies assail and your heart begins to fail, don't forget that God in heaven answers prayer. He will make a way for you and will lead you safely through. Please take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. When your youthful days are gone and old age is stealing on, your body bends beneath the weight of care. He will never leave you then. He'll go with you to the end. Take your burden to the Lord. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there if you trust. And never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. You know, the word cast, or the word uh, cast here in verse number 22, is the idea of throwing out. 
Imagine tonight, you know, m- most of you have thrown things out in the past couple weeks that you haven't thought about since the moment you threw it away. You know what God tells us to do with our burdens? Is to throw them to the Lord and forget about it. But how ridiculous would it be tonight if you said, there was a special banana peel that I threw away. And so you, you get up in the middle of the night because you can't sleep. You keep thinking about this banana peel. And you, you get in your car and you go to the, uh, the dump and you break into the dump. And you go search through the heaps of trash and you're like, I need to find this particular banana peel. How ridiculous would that be? And yet as believers, we do that on a regular basis though, don't we, with our burdens. Oh, we throw them out thinking that the Lord's going to take care of it and we shouldn't think about it anymore. And the Lord does want to take care of us, but take care of that. Then we get up in the middle of the night and we search through all the rubbish and dwell upon that thing that we were supposed to leave with the Lord. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Stop trying to go rummage through everything to pick it back up again. Let the Lord take care of it. He's better at taking care of your burdens than you are. Let's read verse 23 as we uh, wrap this up. I keep saying wrap up, and you know what? It's not happening. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down in the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in thee. I will trust in thee. What a change of heart that took place in the life of David in just those few verses. Remember verses 5 and 6, and uh, he wanted to get out of there. I mean, uh, horror hath overwhelmed him, and now all of a sudden he's, I'm going to trust the Lord. He's Mr. Faith. David chooses to live by faith and to trust the Lord with this situation. So, brother and sister... When you want to get away, when you're overwhelmed like David was, instead of trying to find a way of escape, choose to go to your knees and pray and have the priorities that David had to cast your burdens upon the Lord, choosing to trust in Him regardless of what others do, and He will see you through. It's easy to trust Him when He's leading beside the still waters, isn't it, and the green pastures. Yeah, this is easy to trust you during this time. But what about when he leads you be in the valley of the shadow of death? That's a different story many times. But friend, he's the same good shepherd. And he's the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. You don't have to fear because he's with you. I hope tonight when you want to get away that you'll respond like David did at the end of this chapter when he decided to cast his burdens to the Lord when he decided that he was going to trust in the Lord regardless of what others did. I hope you'll do that. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Lord, we do want to pray for our country tonight. Lord, we, as we look at our country, Lord, it brings some of these same emotions that David felt, the same pain that he described. Lord, we feel that as we look at our country tonight. It's not the same country as it was two, two weeks ago. Things have radically changed. Lord, we recognize that you're the only one that can really fix the issue. And, oh God, I pray that you would. 
And I pray, Lord, you'd help us as believers to be thoroughly right with you, to make sure that we are humble, that we are spending time in prayer, that we are uh, seeking your face, and that we are turning from our wicked ways. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be uh, an effective witness and an effective testimony and a light for you. Help us, Lord, to live biblically and to love our neighbors ourselves. Help us, Lord, to not carry these burdens that sometimes many of us take on that we weren't meant to take on, but to cast them and upon you. Because, Lord, you can sustain us. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, tonight and this week when we are feeling overwhelmed to go to our knees and pray. Because, Lord, that's the right response to that. I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the opportunity to meet together tonight to discuss these things. In Jesus' name.